Hi, I'm Debbie Georges. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to be talking about Seth Rich, the former DNC employee, an update on that. And then we have Ed Butowski joining us in studio about the Assange fallout from his lawsuits. Also going to be talking about impeachment proceedings starting, or at least the stepping stones toward it in Congress. And finally, Trump's primary challengers. And of course, I'll share why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm going to talk in this very first five today about the Seth Rich update, but I want to just mention right before I left home, I saw there was an announcement by President Trump that he will be announcing a new national security advisor uh, next week. He apparently let John Bolton know last night that he would like him to move along and John Bolton uh, tendered his resignation. I was kind of sorry to hear that. I think John Bolton has been great and wonderful, but we'll see what happens. He indicated there was disagreement between the administration and John Bolton on significant issues recently, and so he's asking to move on. But updating on Seth Rich, we have joining us today in the studio, I think, uh, Ed Butowski. He's a plaintiff in several defamation lawsuits that relate to the Seth Rich uh, murder in Washington and the WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. What I'm going to do is just give you a brief update in this first five before we turn to Ed Butowski. To, if you were watching our show, I think it was like July 30th, we had Ed Butowski on. I couldn't believe the number of emails I got. People saying, hey, I want to have him back on. I want to hear about the lawsuits. So we're going to do that today. But I just want to give you an update of where we are. Just uh, to, to remind you all, Seth Rich was employed by the Democrat National Committee. And during the summer of 2016, numerous emails from the DNC were leaked or provided to WikiLeaks, Julian Assange's website, WikiLeaks. He published them and it uh, had people argue about how much, but had some impact on the 2016 elections, not painting Hillary Clinton in very positive light. In any case, that happened. Uh, Seth Rich, the WikiLeaks emails were published. Seth Rich was murdered in July of 2016. He again was a DNC staffer. And then Ellen Ratner, a journalist, a reporter, uh, she had a brother who was an attorney for Julian Assange. And Ellen Ratner, on a trip heading home to America, stopped off in London and visited Julian Assange in November 2016. She says in that meeting with Julian Assange, he told her that the person who, that the emails he'd been publishing through WikiLeaks, the DNC emails, did not come from Russia. In fact, they came from someone inside the DNC. We have Ellen Ratner, and I've played this clip before, but it's so important to recognize she's acknowledged this month. So I'm going to ask the extremely wonderful math producer to quick play Ellen Ratner's clip acknowledging what Julian Assange told her. If we have I know it. we all hate, I hate these media people. They're the worst, awful, <laughs> awful. But don't get hung up on it because it really it doesn't have that much of an effect. And they did report the emails. Wikipedia. They they went after Hillary. WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. Yeah, excuse me. By the way, just FYI, I, I met with. I got to take a WikiLeak. I, <laughs> I, I I I spent three hours with Julian Assange on Saturday, at the Ecuadorian embassy yeah, get in this. London. Listen to this. Go ahead. Well, I did. Yeah. And, but one of the things he did say is that the leaks were not from, uh, they were not from the Russians. They were an internal source. 
Okay, this is huge because this woman admitted this. And so we get back to our story in our first five today. Ellen Ratner, a longtime friend of Dallas businessman Ed Butowski. She and he's been involved in Fox News too, and they knew each other for quite a while. When she came back, she told Ed Butowski that what Julian Assange had actually said, he identified Seth Rich as the person who provided the DNC emails from the DNC to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, and that's where they came from, and that Julian Assange had wanted Ellen Ratner to let Seth Rich's parents know that this is what had happened, that he got that the emails that were published came from Seth Rich. So Butowski goes ahead, he meets with Seth Rich's parents. I'm we're gonna get into that story more in detail in a moment. But I'm setting this up to talk about the consequences to America and the rule of law. I want to just make sure that you know what, beside the fact that Ed Butowski attests that this is what Ellen Ratner said, we also had Julian Assange. I'm not going to play this clip again, but if you go back to our July 30th show, I played it then. He acknowledged in an interview you can listen to where he expressed concern over Seth Rich's murder. He actually ended up making an offer on Twitter, a $20,000 reward if you if anyone could provide information leading to the conviction of whoever was involved in Seth Rich's murder. Understand, Seth Rich was murdered you know, late night, early morning in Washington, D.C. No arrest ever made, no perpetrator ever located. So he's gone, He's he's been murdered, and... So Julian Assange made this announcement about he give the $20,000 reward. And then, so, so he's is obviously, in fact, he was asked in, in this interview, why, would you, why are you even talking about Seth Rich? And he made reference to, well, we have to protect our sources. We have to look out. These people take risks giving us things. So he's more or less acknowledging, although not, in, not directly, but more or less acknowledging Seth Rich gave him those emails from the DNC, which if you're not putting this together yet, changes the whole Trump-Russia collusion story, which I'll get to later. Moving on, Bill Binney is a former intelligence official. He's part of VIPS, or uh, I guess they call it VIPs, Veteran Intelligence Officials for Sanity. He did a review of the emails that were posted in WikiLeaks, and he says that there's no way, no way that the volume of emails produced and published on WikiLeaks could have come from a hack. He's saying it had to be something internal, someone internal at the DNC. Final little piece of this introduction, then we're going to turn to Ed Butowski, who's now in studio. The only official organization ever permitted to review the DNC server, upon which every statement you've ever read in any media source that says that the Russians hacked into the DNC server. The only entity that ever saw the, the DNC server is a private organization called CrowdStrike, a Hillary Clinton-affiliated, Democrat-affiliated private organization they're the only entity DNC let have access to their computers. They produced a report that said, oh, yeah, this was the Russians. And every time you've ever read it in the Mueller report, every place you've read it, that conclusion is based on only what CrowdStrike said. The FBI never looked at the DNC server. No other entity in America got to look at the DNC server, nor did the FBI or the Mueller investigation ever demand access to the server. They did not interview Ed Butowski, who's here in the studio, or Julian Assange. The official line we're all supposed to agree with is that the Russians hacked in, and that is the end of the story. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. Tuning in studio now, we have Ed Butowski in the studio. You've been here before, and welcome back. Nice to have you. Well, thank you. You did a perfect, absolutely perfect 
analogy and in i was i was ready to correct something There's no, <laughs> i seriously that's, that's my mentality not one thing to correct it was absolutely perfect well i'm glad to hear that thank you so much well i have been studying and thinking about this so much <laughs> to me i know it to you is personal we're going to talk about your losses today but to me it's so much about the system of justice in our country are yeah. we just going to concede that once certain people are above the law and certain matters may never be investigated, we're really saying we're surrendering this idea of, of equal justice and equal justice before the law and the rule of law. We're surrendering it all. But I want to start with, um, so you were involved, as I mentioned a moment ago, in uh, talking with Seth Rich's parents, and I left the story off there, and I know you, were, you told us last time, but if you can quickly summarize, because you ended up trying to help Seth Rich's parents mm -hmm figure out who killed their son. You want to tell that piece, including your hiring the investigator? Absolutely, and, and thanks uh, for giving me the platform to do so. So my involvement, you, you had mentioned Ellen and I, Ellen Ratner and I became friends, and, and we're, we're you know good friends and very close relationship. Julian Assange had did more than mention to Ellen, okay? He actually asked Ellen, as you said, to speak to Joel and Mary Rich and give them information with the hope that that information might help them find out who murdered Seth. So um, Ellen was uncomfortable, wasn't sure if she could do it because her brother was Julian's attorney. Um, her sister-in-law, Margaret Gardner, uh, I believe that's her name, she um, was still very close to Ellen and Ellen just didn't think she could do it. So she asked me, sort of like Mikey, you know, Mikey will try it, right? And Ellen and I had that relationship. So anyone who thinks that that's a weird thing for Ellen to ask me, knowing my relationship with Ellen, it was not whatsoever. And but I didn't elect to do it. She asked me to do it, I said no. <laughs> but I kept seeing um, on television references that Trump and Vladimir Putin had broken into the DNC server. So what bothered me, and I'll get to it, is that this kept going on and I finally said, you know what, I'll call these people up. You know, for some reason this, this story continues. I get a hold of them, share with them what Ellen told me that Julian told her. There's no question about what Julian told her. Ellen Ratner since has lied uh, to uh, Michael Isakoff. Uh, from Yahoo News and saying that that never came up. That's 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 nonsense. And Ellen is lying. And the reason Ellen's lying is that she doesn't want to be a part of this. But I have emails and text messages uh, going back and forth with Ellen that I haven't shown people yet. Make no mistake about it. Ellen Ratner got that information from Julian Assange. Let me just jump in and say, what other possible reason would you have? There'd be no connection in your mind for you to be reaching out to Seth's parents. None at all. Except that's what Ellen told you. I mean, here I am in. Dallas, it's it's December seventeenth. Uh, so I so think about this. I mean, I'm a fairly normal person. I'm just gonna <laughs> call up some people, some parents of a dead child, and make up a story. It's absolutely insane. But that's what people have tried to make make it look like. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm coming down a little cold. So what I did is I got a hold of uh, Joel, Joel and Mary Rich, spoke with them, and. After that phone conversation, I thought it was the last time I was ever gonna to talk to these people unless they came to Dallas uh, for some reason. And then I got a phone call from Cy Hirsch. And Cy Hirsch, for those of you who don't know, is a very famous publisher, uh, a writer, and he shared with me information that he had. And the reason he called me is a friend told him to call me about this because I had said, if I ever learned anything, I would tell Joel and Mary Rich. By the way, all of this is private. The, none of this is going in on the in the news. public eye. Yeah. This is very private conversations that I'm having. Cy Hirsch calls me, I take the, the phone call, because he talked really fast and I, I audio recorded it, and um, sent it over to Joel and Mary Rich. 
And the, how I got involved a little deeper was after I sent them the information, which everyone can listen to, just go to debunking Rod Wheeler's claims. That's debunking Rod Wheeler's claims.net. You can listen to this audio. And Cy Hirsch is sitting there talking all about his information he got from the FBI, which I have learned, by the way, his person we know is McCabe. Okay. We know his contact is McCabe. So Cy Hirsch's contact is McCabe. Yes, McCabe. I did not know that. Yes, well, I'll give you a little morsels from time to time. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, his, so he now has this information, and I shared it with Joel and Mary Rich. They never said thank you, and it just bothered me. I don't care. I'll do things for people, and I'll do them all the time whenever I think you know I want to do something, and I'll be a nice person. It just bothers me they didn't say thank you. So after I called them and said, was it helpful? I simply said at the end of that phone conversation, which lasted about one or two minutes, I said, why don't you hire a private detective? And they said they couldn't afford one. And I said, I'll pay for it. As I told you in, uh, on the previous time I was here, I never expected them to say thank you. I expected them to say something like, oh my goodness, we barely know you, Ed. Please, please, you know, that's, that's very crazy. nice of you. <laughs> right, of course we'll do it. And I'll say, okay, if you change your mind, and then I hang up the phone. No, they said thank you. So then I was stuck, all right? I had no interest in ever being a part of any of this stuff. I was just trying to help Ellen Ratner out. So. That's how I got involved. And then afterwards, after that whole episode, we'll just call that part one. And then the article came out that uh, on foxnews.com, everything was okay. And then a lawyer entered the world, a really horrible human being named Doug Wigdor. And Doug Wigdor is an attorney who made up a story and put it inside a lawsuit. And you know as well as I, and maybe your listeners know, but one thing lawyers can do, they can write anything they want in a lawsuit, regardless if it's true or not. Well, what did the press do? You want to talk about media malpractice? The press went with a story that they never even called me to ask if it was correct or not. They just repeated it. Repeated it to the point where I was on the cover of 377 newspapers from August 1st to August 3rd as Donald Trump's go-to guy. Now, what did he go to, what did he call him? The idea was, this is so bizarre, but the story made up by a lawyer named Doug Wigdor in New York, put in a lawsuit, was that the president of the United States and Vladimir Putin had as fact broken into the DNC server, which we know isn't true. After they broke into the DNC server, people were on their trail. The media was on their trail. So what did Trump do? He sat there and he said, I know, this is what we gotta do. We gotta call. Ed Butowski in Dallas. We gotta get a hold of Butowski because Butowski can solve this problem. I've never met the president, never spoken to the president. He was never on my list of people to support. He's a Republican, so I voted for him. Yes, that's as far as I've ever gone with the president. Now, since then, I have my own feelings about him that I'll keep to myself, but for the most part, I was portrayed as a crazy Trump supporter who created a fake story, I made up, according to this lawsuit, the whole Seth Rich thing, just to help the president and Vladimir Putin. To get him off the hook for the Russia-Trump collusion allegation. Which never yeah. happened. Right, right, I, well, I know. The whole but I mean, thing is insane. The divert attention in the public mind from right. this Russia-Trump thing to, uh, yeah, okay. That was what they thought you said you did. Okay, go ahead. So, after this happened, I'm sitting here watching my entire life just like basically just every single day get destroyed. I'm on the, on the cover of these um, 
these newspapers. I was the number one trending story on Facebook for three days in a row. And not in a positive thing. I wasn't trending because I was like the best looking man of the year, okay? I was trending because I was a schmuck. I was the jerk, according to the world, that helped Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin create a fake story and and, and literally at the negative consequences of Joel and Mary Rich, Seth Rich's parents, all made up. None of it occurred ever. But it was done because this guy Wigdor was trying to extort money from Fox News. It's a very confusing story, and you, you do a great job of explaining it. But that's what I was faced with. I was I had two hundred sixty-six thousand negative tweets over a two-day period about me, damage to my home, damage to my cars, my children's lives were threatened. Um, I lost clients because they thought some of my clients, uh, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I put together a movie called Broke on ESPN about athletes and money. And I'm actually in it about 30 times and I'm the person who put it together. A lot of my clients are athletes. A lot of them thought, well, if I'm friends clients, with Trump. what kind of business quickly? What kind I of business? I manage money for a living. Okay. And a lot, of these, a lot of these clients thought, well, he must be, if he's friends with Trump, I don't want anything to do with him because Trump's a horrible human being. I lost clients from a made-up story from this guy Wigdor because he was trying to extort money from Fox, which is a really fascinating discussion. But as a result of all of this, I sat back and went, what do I do? And then this guy, Folkenflick from NPR, he wrote certain things, and anyone can look up those lawsuits. I'll be happy to send it to you. You can put it on your website if anybody wants to read it. And uh, recently, there was motions to dismiss, and the judge decided that Everything that I had written had reason to find its way in court. So according to the judge, he dismissed their pleadings or motions. I don't know the exact word. Okay, I'll lawyer, I'll lawyer it for you because I have it right here in front of me. Okay. I'm a lawyer by background. But okay. it's a great ruling. Actually, it's Justice Amos Mazant, who's a Texas guy, mm-hmm. Dallas guy. I, no, I haven't seen him in years. But a but- Steeler fan, I heard. Well, I can't account. I, I don't know how to explain I'm that. Kidding. I don't anyway. know either. <laughs> What about the Cowboys? But seriously, this is Judge Amos Mazant. He actually gave, uh, when you sued NPR for libel for this concocted story, and NPR files a motion to dismiss and just basically said you failed to state a claim. There isn't sufficient evidence because, you know, you're at this point a quasi-public figure. And the judge ruled that essentially that you had your allegations in your complaint were sufficient that that you could go forward in in your lawsuit against NPR. So NPR's effort to get this case dismissed was thrown out by Justice Mazant. Two things I thought were interesting. One was NPR was trying to say, well, all they really did was borrow allegations from Rod Wheeler's lawsuit. Because you and Rod Wheeler got back sideways a little bit, Well, right? the lawsuit itself was the Rod Wheeler lawsuit. Wigdor recruited him. Okay. Okay, so that lawsuit was the Wheeler lawsuit, which by the way, said I defamed Rod Wheeler, but to defame somebody, you have to say something or write something. I never wrote anything, never said anything. There's no way that they could bring a lawsuit against me, but they needed all of these pieces Wigdor did to extort Fox. Okay, I, I don't even know the angle of extorting Fox, but let me just, so, so NPR, basically the good news for you is the judge said, no, what you said in your complaint can go forward. NPR can't get out of this. And by the way, I'm not a quasi-private citizen. I am a private citizen. I'm an innocent private citizen. I'm not so private anymore. Well, yeah, at some point but people cross into the uh, realm of public figure. Right. I don't know whether the judge would rule you are or not. I'm not even. They've already there, ruled that I'm not. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Okay, uh, so in any case, the judge says your case can go forward against NPR, and he, he said both that 
even if NPR's story were related to allegations that Rod Wheeler complained, it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't, it still could go forward. And it basically just said that what they had, what, what you had said in your complaint was sufficient to allow you to continue to prosecute and, um, uh, not criminal prosecute, but, but pursue your claim as a plaintiff. So here you are suing NPR, which is good. And I don't want to interrupt your dialogue. I want to be sure we get to your uh, big lawsuit recently filed, but you, I may have disrupted your story. No, so. no, I, I, I'm, and I'm used to that. I'm married, so I mean, I'm used to, I'm used to being, <laughs> I'm used to that happening. Don't well, worry my husband's not listening, because he would say, yeah, I know what he means. Yeah, okay. no, yeah. but it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I, I, so that lawsuit is, is going forward, okay? And, and if anyone wants to read it, they'll be amazed at what NPR claimed and, and what they actually did. Are you okay? saying the pleadings you would forward to put out in public? Is that what you're, you're saying? Because my website has- public. Okay, well, my website has all the stories we're gonna talk about today. Fantastic. If you're on americacanwetalk.org on the homepage, go under show and beneath that list of links and you can link to, links to every story we're talking about today. So then um, throughout this time period, a lot of others defamed me, okay? A lot of other people said things. One person I'm not suing is Soledad O'Brien. Okay, Soledad O'Brien and her husband, friends of mine, looked up, she has 800,000 followers. Soledad sent out a tweet saying, look what Ed Butowski's a part of. Well, I wasn't a part of anything. Yeah. Okay, but well, that just helped do it. <clears throat> and, and all of a sudden, before you know it, how many millions and millions of people who had never heard of me now have a negative feeling about Ed Butowski. And you said a second ago, and, and I wanna make sure I go back to this, because the key to this whole thing is the Fox angle. So let me just briefly explain that if I could. Okay. Fox News, or, or 21st Century, owned 30% of Sky News. This is the key to this whole nonsense. They own 30% of Sky News. They wanted to purchase the other 70%. Wigdor, had 20 lawsuits against Fox for race and sex discrimination. He's a, he's a so-called employment lawyer. And what he okay. did is he would bring these cases against Fox. He's even quoted in the New York Times as saying, yeah, I'm at war with Fox News. So what Wigdor did is he had these 20 cases and he knew that Fox had a breakup price they would have to pay if they didn't get the rest of the other 70%. I think that number was $265 million 21st century slash Fox News would have to pay. So he went over, he literally got on a plane from New York multiple times and went over and met with people from parliament in London, telling them do not approve the merger until, guess what? His lawsuits were settled. So he went to Fox and said this, he went to the, the DLA Piper attorneys and said, give me $60 million and I'll drop the cases and you can go buy the other 70%. Fox News told him to go, you know Pound where. Pound sand. Okay? Pound sand. Pound sand, That's, so we got a, a, a G-rated show here. Pound sand. What did he do? He then made up a lawsuit to embarrass Fox, called in the Fox attorneys and said, if you don't give me the money, I'm gonna file this. They told him to pound sand. Guess what? That's when he filed the lawsuit. It was all about this lawyer trying to extort Fox. And that's what people don't get. All they think about is Seth Rich, and then there's this guy, Ed Butowski, and he made up a story, and blah, blah, blah. That's not what happened. It's this guy, Wigdor, and his desire to extort money out of Fox News. That's what occurred here. That's where the made-up story came from. So Wigdor, in order to get Fox to do what he wanted, to, to pay him, 
what you have, you and Butowski have no relationship to any of this, this whole fuss between Fox and Emmy. Nothing. So why would he choose you of, of all things he could have done? To I was juicy. I was a juicy one because he, he got Rod Wheeler. Um, and Rod Wheeler would go along with just about anything that Wigdor said. Okay. And, Wig, and Rod Wheeler told me he was going to get paid $4 million. By okay? Wigdor. He said, I got myself a new lawyer. And I'm going to get $4 million. And I said, how are you going to do that? He says, Ed, you're not going to like it, but you'll see. I had no idea what he was talking about. Wow. Okay. So tell me, so this, you, we're now in the phase where you have filed a lot. You have NPR we just talked about. You've also filed a $118 million defamation lawsuit against Wigdor mm-hmm. and against this investigator, Rod Wheeler. So the entire lawsuit against Wigdor is all about his defamation view and the story he created to essentially, not blackmail is the right word, but to arm twist Fox to get the money he wanted. That's the story? Yeah, you have to, everyone needs to read the complaint and see, and you'll see what what, what kind of person Wigdor is. And I also have another lawsuit where I have about 15 other people, including Anderson Cooper, Oliver Darcy from CNN, Turner Broadcast. I've got New York Times, I have Vox News. And this is where I look at it. I did nothing wrong except offer to help somebody, okay? I didn't do anything. It just happened to be in the middle of this whole nonsense about Russia and the made up story about Trump, which has been proven to be made up. Right. I didn't do a thing. And these people, without regard for for me or my family or my life, just made up stuff and thought they could say anything they want. And that's why I'm suing these people. So all the people you just mentioned you're suing, the Anderson Cooper and people from CNN, mm-hmm. it's all of them essentially repeating the Doug Wigdor allegations that he put in the story. Is that right? I mean, or, and, Some and of it. embellishing on it. Some of it. Well, everyone's a little different, but it all came out of the Doug Wigdor uh, story, made up story that was put in the lawsuit. And I have, by the way, I have, just in case there's not enough lawsuits, I have two more coming very soon. Okay. And you know what? You know what? What else can I do? I can't go knock on people's doors and beat and them tell up. Tell your stories. No, hey, I mean, I can't out. go knock on someone's door and beat them up because that's illegal. So what else are you left to do? All right. So you sue people because they did me wrong. That's the only way you can get people to come clean with you. Well, I'll tell you why I like this litigation. And I kind of ties back to America. Can we talk on this idea of defending the rule of law in America? If you're saying that you were defamed because these people said that your story about Seth Rich was made up. I mean, they said you did the whole Seth Rich story in order to help Trump and help Trump and Putin yeah. and all that. So it's ridiculous. Right, right. So so they're saying that it was a lie for you to prove a defamation case. I mean, defamation requires that something said something dishonest about you. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I mean, if they said true things, like, you know, you have on a blue shirt, that's not defamation. Defamation is they say it, or they, they speak it or write it, and it's false, and it harms your reputation. So to get at the allegation, proving the allegation that it's false, that you didn't make it up, you are entitled to discovery against, and I don't know how far I can all go, but discovery to understand what the government knows about the Seth Rich murder. Isn't that right? Absolutely, and there's certain things with the NSA yes. and other places. Trust Let's me. go there. Trust me, I'm going there. Well, actually. I'm going, I'm, what we are going to be doing with discovery will be very intrusive. Well, I understood there was also one effort, a Freedom of Information Act request of NSA relating to what do you know about Seth Rich's murder? 
right? Uh, you asking, asking the, the NSA. NSA. Right. And the NSA's answer was they couldn't provide that information because it would violate national security. Yeah, that's going to change real soon because there's also another rule that says if there's information they have related to a crime, they have to expose it. Right. Okay, this is what I was going to get at. And this is why I like this lawsuit so much. I love talking to Ed. He's fun to have on. But I want to make something really clear to our listeners. If in this lawsuit, the charge, the allegation in this complaint is that Ed Butowski was defamed, that someone lied about him. They're saying the lie is... The lie is that he said that this whole Seth Rich thing came out of Julian Assange's mouth through Ellen Ratner to him, and he got involved. And the only reason he tied Seth Rich to the hacking into the DNC server was because this is what came from Julian Assange. So to prove he was defamed, to prove his case, he's got to be able to get evidence related to whether or not what he said was true. And that gets you around the question of what you can get at in the NSA. So let me just make this one point and then I can talk, I can see you want to say something else, but I want to make one other point about the NSA thing. If Seth Rich was just a unfortunate private citizen in Washington who happened to get mugged late at night, early morning and end up passing on, dying as a result of this attack, if that was true, why would the NSA respond, the National Security Agency respond to a FOIA request by saying they can't get that information because it relates to national security? If the explanation is some private rotten criminal kill, attacked Seth Rich and killed him, the NSA would have no information about it. They'd say, we don't know how, how you know, we don't know a thing is a private crime. But the NSA didn't say that. They have already responded in one of your lawsuits saying it's private information, it's national security, we're, we're allowed to protect that information. We don't have to give it to you under a FOIA request. They said they had 32 uh, pages of communication. But they, you know but with they couldn't whom? give it out. No, no, we... We'll, we'll be seeing that soon. But I'm saying you don't know now with whom the 32 pages of communications were with. I mean, it's NSA, but talking to whom? WikiLeaks and Seth Rich, between the two. Oh, they have things between WikiLeaks and Seth Rich. Right, but they won't divulge it. Okay, but NSA has acknowledged that what they have Absolutely. is communications between WikiLeaks and Seth Rich. Okay, people understand how serious this is. I've been talking about this case, I mean, since time began, since the whole thing launched. If at the end of the day you can show that it was not the information that was le that came out in WikiLeaks never came from the Russians, that the government knew this from the start, the FBI knew, knew this from the start, they knew it was actually Seth Rich leaking things. The entire concoction of the Russia-Trump collusion takes on whole new meaning, whole new levels of outrage, dishonesty, just corruption of the rule of law, corruption at the highest law level of law enforcement agencies in this country. That's why this litigation matters so much. So Ed Butowski, last time you were here, I got people emailing me afterwards saying, you should have let them talk more. I don't know if we've covered everything. <laughs> they kept saying, because I was trying to steer you back to you know, Mueller and legal things, and you're like, right. no, what happened to me? But uh, we're kind of wrapping up our time together today. Sure. Are there things you want to get out today about your pending lawsuits or your effort to clear your name? The effort to clear my name is very difficult. Nobody wants to talk to me. It, it, it's, it's very strange because I have gone to people, I've gone to any news agency, any outlet to say, interview me. Let me tell you what happened. Let's go with it. And all of them have said, we're not doing anything on Seth Rich. They all have walked away from reporting on it. Um, 
that's really bizarre because it is as important as you're saying. It is at the right. center of what has engrossed this country for two, two and a half years, right. this made up story. Now they've gone from you know that story to this story, anything to get after Donald Trump. Right. And they have then left in the, in the wake damaged and destroyed lives like mine. The difference with me is I'm not going away. And I'm going to continue and I'm going to do this. And I don't want to sound like I'm like some, you know, great warrior, but I know there's a lot of people out there that wish they were in my position because they can then subpoena and get discovery on things. And trust me, I know exactly what to get discovery on. And I know exactly where we're going with this. And it's actually starting right now. Okay. Your lawyer is in DC, right? I've had a lot of lawyers. Okay. I thought you had one. Well, I have, lawyer now. I have. I've, I have lawyers. Honestly, I think I have seven lawyers right now, seven different lawyers, and they're all really, really smart. Well, with the exception of one, actually. Um, but okay. that's a different kind of lawyer. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. Yeah, you're not going to say <laughs> Then we'll have a whole other defamation. But, but I have some great lawyers who we know where to go, what we're seeking for, and we have people helping us, and we have some great consultants. Okay. I'm not going to let this thing die. It destroyed my family, destroyed my life. And, and your business we, and your and income my, and your every yeah. single thing. So you know what? I'm working my tail off. I'm working really hard at my business. Just came out with a brand new book. Um, I'm really working hard, but I'm not going to let this die because that's just not who I am. Ed Butowski, I cannot thank you enough. <laughs> Absolutely. So glad you can come in. That was great. And he is a Dallas area person, a Texas person. So you just are welcome to be back here again, I'm sure. Thank you for sharing all that today. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to turn to our next story uh, today. And I want to try to get this in. I put the caption calling called Impeachment Starts. But I'll just say this about that. The Democrats in the U.S. House who hold the majority, they aren't actually starting impeachment proceedings, but they are starting, they are starting the effort to begin the, to begin the process. The House Judiciary Committee with Chairman Gerald Nadler, Jerry Nadler, laid out yesterday, yeah, Monday, yesterday, laid out the beginnings of this case, trying to proceed toward uh, possible impeachment of President Trump. And then Thursday, so two days from now, will be the first vote of the people on the Judiciary Committee to decide whether to do the investigation related to impeachment. This is just about the investigation related to impeachment. This is not impeachment proceedings, but you need to understand how serious this is. I wanna lay out some numbers about who cares about this and who doesn't. Over the summer, more Democrat members of Congress arrived at the conclusion that the Congress should at least investigate, begin the investigation related to possible impeachment. They're now up to 134 Democrats, members of the U.S. House, who are saying, yes, I think we should pursue impeachment. So this is, and these people are doing this, are coming back to Congress because they've gone home over the summer break and talked to people in their districts. And I have 134 members of Congress pushing it. You have polling recently, and it was a really good polling for President Trump. More and more Americans are saying, please drop this. Please stop. This is ridiculous. There's nothing to impeach for. And these people, to be clear, the Democrats are talking about looking into further digging into the alleged Trump-Russia non-existent collusion, further trying to find out and there, whether there's anything they might have missed that possibly could constitute grounds for impeachment. There's a Texas Congressman, Al Green, who's saying we shouldn't be able to impeach him because we think he's a racist, which could not be more absurd. 
And he's all, there's also are people arguing that somehow Trump's business dealings violates the emolum, violate the emoluments clause of the Constitution. The Democrats are grasping at straws, looking for anything they can find to possibly justify a move toward impeachment. This is against a backdrop of Americans, fewer and fewer Amer- Americans thinking it's a good idea. They're telling Congress, knock it off, let him be president. The president's approval ratings among Republicans are something like 94% among the country. You know, it depends which pollster you ask. Many of them get close to 50%. People are happy with his presidency. And the idea that Democrats are going to keep going back, beating this dead horse about Russia-Trump collusion after the whole country has seen the Mueller investigation. We watched for two and a half years headlines and allegations and investigations and people taken down and not a shred of evidence of either conspiracy, which is really what the the collusion charge would be, is conspiracy or obstruction. So here we are. We're in September 2019. The Democrats first fresh back into Congress after a summer break, and they're talking about impeachment. And I'll tell you, Nancy Pelosi is still saying publicly, bad, 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 bad idea. Bad idea here. Don't do it. The people don't like it. They're not going to be happy about it. But the Democrats are rolling forward. I promise you I'll keep you apprised of what happens. I think it's clear that this effort to begin inquiries toward impeachment will pass a Judiciary Committee, probably completely along party lines, obviously because Democrats have the majority. The Democrats have the majority in every committee so that it'll get passed. Republicans are standing up a little bit saying, hey, this is kind of crazy. But this, my friends, is really about the Democrats' continued anger over losing the 2016 presidential election. They still cannot believe that Hillary didn't win, that they have to deal with Donald Trump. They're grasping at straws. They're looking under every, around every corner, under every, um, every dark place. Somewhere can we find something? They have nothing. And I think in their heart of hearts, most of them know it. Most of them know this. It's just a continuation of the coup, a continuation of the witch hunt. It's not going to bode well. I think Nancy Pelosi's political savvy and she's the one saying bad idea let's not do this folks her political savvy is right she's got the right read on it but she cannot you know keep the impeachment minded democrats at bay she can't force them to to knock it off she can't stop them she doesn't have the votes to stop them they may not have the votes to actually even pass even if they get it out of the committee and they get it to the floor and they have an impeachment vote The Democrats are not even sure they have the votes on the floor to get impeachment in the House. They most certainly are not going to get impeachment out of the U.S. Senate uh, because the way the process works, the House brings the impeachment. They they can do articles of impeachment, but it's actually the Senate that could vote to remove the president, which, of course, is not going to happen because of the Republican majority and, frankly, because he hasn't done anything worthy of impeachment. My final point in this topic is this. This is... What we are watching in Washington, it is the continuation of the coup, the continuation of the just vitriolic, vile hatred of the idea that Trump won and their just determination to bring him down. But it's also a really good example of the thing I say, talk about so often in this show, which is the Constitution and government in America, these are serious substantive responsibilities that are held in the hands of the members of the U.S. Congress. The idea of actually impeaching a president is not supposed to be because you don't like his policies, you don't like his tweets, you don't like his personality, you still wish Hillary won, you think he is too mean-spirited. Whatever it is you think, impeachment is a serious 
serious concept. It requires adult thinkers. It requires people who actually reason from the perspective of American history and the, and the grandeur importance of the concept of government set up in the Constitution. Yet you have Democrats who think because based on their own biases, they want to call the president names, accuse him of things which, for which they have no evidence, dig into his life, root into everything that, that's, that kind of scorched earth will find something if we dig deeply enough. This is not worthy of the United States House of Representatives. It's not worthy of our Constitution. It's not worthy of our country. And more people in this country need to be telling their own congressmen, even if you're a member of Congress's Democrat, and, and or whether he or she's Republican, whoever they are, you need to be telling your member of Congress, this is outrageous. You can't impeach a president because you're mad that he won. This is a great and perfect example of the complete lack of seriousness at the highest levels of the Democrat Party in this country. It is disgraceful, it's unserious, it's reprehensible. And I'll keep your tabs on, keep tabs on, I'll tell you more about it. The last thing I want to hit today very quickly, but we're almost out of time, um, has to do with there are now three people who have declared they're running against President Trump. They're challenging him in a primary in 2020 to uh, become for the uh, presidency. So they are, want to get on the ballot in all the states and they want to have a primary vote just like any other primary. So these three people are South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford. He's the most recent one to join in. Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, former Governor Bill Weld, and former Illinois uh, U.S. Rep. Joe Walsh. I will talk more about the three of them as time goes on. I, I know a lot about each of them. They are, this is, this is a phenomenon that happens, and I can tell you having been involved in political, in political activity and with parties and candidates, what sometimes happens is, People surround themselves with a group of people who they are, who adore and admire and look up to them and, and just tell them, oh, you're the best, you're the greatest, you could do this, you should be president someday. And they get colluded, they get confused and deluded, confused and deluded into thinking they have a snowball's chance of winning the primary. Now these three, I don't even think they think they can win. I think they all probably know they can't win a primary. They're not going to unseat this president. He's going to easily win a primary, but they think they can embarrass him, besmirch him. They can claim they're standing up for some higher notion what the Republican party stands for. They're really damaging our party it is not helpful, but I will say one thing that's happening. I'm going to wrap up with this point and then turn to why it matters to you. But there is an effort in some states to say, well, because these people are just ridiculous, it couldn't possibly win in a primary. President Trump is overwhelmingly popular with the GOP base. Some states are saying, well, we're just gonna cancel the primary. We're not even gonna offer our voters a primary. You just can't, you won't have a chance on primary day. We just won't let, we won't let it happen. Apparently that's totally within the control of the various states. Three states have announced they're doing that. Three states being Kansas, South Carolina, and Nevada saying we're just not having a primary. I don't think that's the right thing. I will say, much as I think these three are, three are pretty much, all three of them just, 
you know, they couldn't win. They are, they're unimpressive. They are running because they are trying to have some false virtue signaling. What we, they think they're taking some high road, what, they, what the Republican Party stands for. But the fact is that the voters deserve a chance to choose their own primary candidate. And I think pulling the primary, just eliminating the primary is going to cause some people to say, well, I didn't, some Republican voters, I didn't get my chance. I didn't get to have the vote. I want to vote for one of those three. And I don't want to alienate them from the Republican Party. I think the spirit, much as I detest that these three jokers are actually trying to run against President Trump, I also think the voters in every state, the GOP voters, have the right to have a primary and express their pleasure or lack thereof. But these three states are doing it, apparently more considering it. I don't think it's the right answer in terms of actually trying to get the whole, um, to, to get the party to unify eventually under President Trump as he will clearly win the primary. I don't think that it's a, it's a wise move, but you know, it's a move that some states have decided to make um, as a signal of support and respect for the president. It, it just might backfire, not smart, I don't think. At the end of every show, I always try to tell you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. And the reason I do this, the reason I want to tell you why they matter to you is this. I don't shoot the breeze on this show about the Cowboys game or any college or football games or how people dress or what hairstyles they use or who doesn't look good on camera. I don't do any petty stuff. I'm only and always talking about preserving this most precious, extraordinary experiment in human liberty, America. I try to talk about stories and tie them back to the purpose of, of preserving this precious country. So I try to tell you why the stories every day I talk about matter to you. And here we go, why they matter to you. This idea of Seth Rich, Julian Assange, Ed Butowski, the Russians hacked the DNC was a critical launching point for the Russia collusion hoax, collusion hoax, and the entire coup plot against Trump. Ellen Ratner, liberal former Fox News reporter, is on video saying Julian Assange told her in November 2016 in person that he received the DNC emails from an inside the DNC source. Ratner told Butowski was here today, or he says that's what she said, that Julian Assange identified the DNC staffer Seth Rich as the source of the DNC emails that WikiLeaks released. Seth Rich was murdered in DC July 2016, soon after the leak, and that murder remains unsolved, but forensic analysis suggests the capture of the DNC emails was a download, not a hack. DNC servers only examined, they were only examined by a Democrat-friendly private group, CrowdStrike, never by the FBI. Why is the DNC allowed to prevent FBI examination? A really unanswered question. No one in the FBI, Mueller investigation, interviewed Ed Butaski or Julian Assange about Seth Rich or anything else for that matter. Why not? The media Dem mission is to end this conversation. Butowski's defamation lawsuits are making that impossible. Truth about the source of the DNC emails impacts rule of law and the integrity of America's law enforcement community. And finally, as impeachment starts, Trump is near 50% approval in many polls and at 94% among GOP voters. The Mueller investigation turned up nothing on the claim of Russia collusion. Internet sleuthing, like you know, doing investigating, reporting has made the scope of the coup plot clear. Entire echelon, higher echelon, FBI, DOJ involved in trying to take down the president as well as most of the participants. And the thing is, a huge segment of Americans know this. With this background, 
against those facts. Nadler and the Dems intend to start an impeachment against Trump. America's social fabric, cohesion, respect for institutions will be put to the test if Nadler really proceeds. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. I do this show every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Please email me if you have questions or thoughts or why don't you talk about this. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. Please encourage, please like this Facebook page. Encourage your friends to like it. I, I'd love to help this American political conversation about preserving this country grow bigger and bigger and bigger, which is the reason I do my show, because America matters. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Truth about America. Can you-